Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Well, welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, here as always with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello! Hello, Haley. I love that you went, you know, a little animated there on the hello. (laughs) Hello! Bringing the high energy, almost chipmunk-like. Oh, thank you. I uh, was trying no, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. We're yeah. We're we're gonna bring the bring the high cartoonish energy today because we are breaking down Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the new movie on Disney Plus, and taking a trip down you know memory lane, cartoons and Absolutely. nostalgia packed references that we uh, got a chance to to see. So uh, we're very excited to jump into that. But it's funny because I. I when I first heard this movie was going to come out, I did not realize it was going to be like uh, Roger Rabbit, like basically Chippendale, uh-huh. but in the real world. So as soon as I heard that, I, it made me even more excited because that's a little bit different, right? And a little bit uh-huh. kind of more, I don't know, it's it's different. What can I say? It's not just your normal remake. Yeah, and it's different than like let's say Alvin and the Chipmunks or something like that, where there's one animated character. Like Garfield comes back. Yeah. uh Yeah. yeah. It's a combination of all different types of animation, all different types of real engagement. Yeah. It was, it was super interesting. Right. So it naturally got me thinking like, wow. So if Chippendale really were in our universe and it's just like, yeah, these are just cartoon actors. They're real as you and I are like, wouldn't that be fun and then it got me down the road of like, well, what what fictional universe would I most want to be a part of if okay. I was joining a fictional universe in the same way that Chip and Dale joined ours, or I guess in this universe, uh-huh. like was always a part of ours. <laughs> and what did you settle on? So, you know, you and I have talked about like, oh, what superpowers would you want and all these different sorts of things. And uh-huh. like if I chose the Marvel universe, so like obviously I wouldn't be a superhero, so I would just be me, but <laughs> You know, Spider-Man zipping around. I don't know if that's well, a that's good thing. that's dangerous. Yeah. You could get blipped away. Well, right. There's, you know, there's world, uh, <laughs> there's, right, there's world events going on all the time. So, so I had to go something that's like fantastical and fun, but not dangerous. And that's for, that's why it also, for me, like eliminated Harry Potter, because if I'm oh. in that universe, like all kinds of crazy stuff, like I'm, I'm a muggle, like I'm, I'm in trouble there too. That's funny. So, yeah, so in my head, right, it has to be like not too dangerous in the sense that, well, I wouldn't want to be at risk like from world ending events, uh-huh. but I want it to be different enough from the world we live in, right? If I get to live in a fictional universe. So this is going to, this is really going to show how much of a nerd I am, but I think I have to be okay with that. I want like light magic or light fantasy. And uh-huh. for me, I think Pokemon is the best example of that. Where I could just live my normal life and and those are just the animals that exist. But if I wanted to go on an okay. adventure and become a Pokemon trainer, like that's just a, a job you can you can choose for yourself. <laughs> that would be cool. And 
Well, and this all goes like initial pandemic. I downloaded Pokemon Go with my uh-huh. daughter just to like, hey, let's just walk around town and find the Pokemon that virtually live in my phone, but sort uh-huh. of in the park that we're going to. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we got super into that. And then I got super into that and she didn't care about it anymore. <laughs> and I just caught a lot of Pokemon. But so, yeah, I think that's that's what feels like the, a really nice, neutral, not like obvious, dangerous uh, world to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, I think. What do you think of my answer? You can critique it. <laughs> I think, well, I think it's interesting because you went animated creatures in your world. I imagined myself being in the animated world. Well, yeah. So I, I think that still works. Yeah. I think I could, if, even if I was in Pokemon world, I could just be a therapist and my life would be the same as it is now. Are there or, just like regular people in Pokemon world? Totally. Oh. Absolutely there are. There are doctors and people that just go about town yeah there are cities and yeah pokemon like exist like they are the animals but but that's what i'm going with i think you can also just be a normal person which is an option i would want to have if i'm joining a frictional universe (laughs) i mean that's great that's hilarious no i love that answer i think it sounds fun i think it was really funny you know if you like choose something like Harry Potter or something like that. Like imagine if you got like a wish and the wish was you can choose to be any world and you're like, I want to be in Harry Potter. And then you just end up being like a muggle who knows nothing about the wizarding world. That would be so Right, that you actually have no idea it exists. Yeah, you end up like being (laughs) in the world, but you're just like – you have no idea that you're in the world. It would be like such a – You're just like like a a person in London. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like one of those things where you have to be real specific about the wish that you make. (laughs) Yes, such a good point. Yeah. So when I was thinking about what world I would want to be in, I landed on – so I kind of like you was like, I don't want to be in any world where it's ultra dangerous. (laughs) Like I don't want to get caught up in wild shenanigans. Um, But I do like a little bit of magic and a little bit of adventure. And I ended up with the movie that is actually my favorite animated movie, which I was like, oh, I should have started here. (laughs) And it is How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, nice. So so we we went in similar directions. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, I want to be able to be a person, but also there's really cool stuff out there that I could. Yeah, we're both training animals. With the magical creatures. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. We did. We both were like, okay, the cool part is going to be the animals. It's not going to be the yes. chaos that's happening around us. That's funny. Yeah, right. I think I would love being a dragon trainer. And also, that movie is perfect. So it's really <laughs> so good. That. Yeah, yeah it's, there's no wonder it became like a, a whole series because... Yeah. Once you see that world, you're obviously in, invested in wanting to see more oh, of yeah. it. Maybe we will do an episode on how to train your dragon for my birthday one year. Well, that sounds great. Great. I'm in. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> analyze the mental health of the the plight of the dragons and what's Excellent. it like to be a, what it's like a species. To be <laughs> That's yeah. Funny. Oh, sweet little guy that he is. Yeah. All right, Haley. Well, we will have a chance to do that nostalgia train another day. For now, we are going to take a quick break, and then we will jump into Chippendale Rescue Rangers. 
Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. Chippendale Rescue Rangers is a live-action animated film based on the animated television series of the same name, now streaming on Disney+. And the tagline is, it's not a reboot, it's a comeback. Chippendale Rescue (laughs) Rangers. (laughs) So if you need a synopsis, uh, you know, it's, it's been over 30 years since the end of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And Chippendale are currently living a life as what we assume like adult chipmunks might be doing. <laughs> but, you know, they live in the human, they live in a world where humans and cartoon characters coexist, which is the sort of part of this that you wouldn't have known that we were going to get. But mm-hmm. that's where the adventure comes in. Yeah. And, you know, this plot, the central plot to this is sort of set up by the sort of disillusion of Chippendale's friendship after the, I think they said like the, second or third season of Chippendales. I just said Chippendales. <laughs> Not <know>. Chippendales. <laughs> That's what Dale had to do <laughs> after the Chippendale show wasn't working out for him anymore, which is a hilarious reference. But... That's what happens sometimes in friendships for lots of different reasons, right, Haley, is that they mm-hmm. they can grow apart. In Chip and Dale's case, because maybe Dale wanted to have his own show, maybe he felt like he wasn't in the limelight. I think the sort of line that they used was that Dale felt like a second banana. He was always banana. the goofy one, the one getting hit with the hammer and all those sorts of things. But this is not that different from, from our world where friendships... You know, certainly if people that I work with can be affected or can fall apart in not so dissimilar ways from Chip and Dale. Yeah. Yeah. I think what we see happen between Chip and Dale is very common in relationships that are so codependent, quite frankly. And what happens is the benefit that Chip gets from this dual relationship continues to be be there and then be useful to him. But what starts happening is Dale starts not liking being second banana, right? Not liking being the one being taken care of. And and Chip really is like, oh, he was all sad and alone if it weren't for me. And Dale starts to be like, my, I don't know that I like this role so much. I would like to be my own person. I'd like to have a little bit of limelight. I'd like to be independent from from this duality. Yeah. And we, we got some of the fun backstory that sometimes we get from these sorts of <laughs> movies and, and, uh-huh. and reboots, which was, we got to find out that Chippendale had met in grade school uh-huh. when they were sort of like both outcast chipmunks uh-huh. in the same, in the same grade class, which I, I loved as a setup because, you know, then we got a sense of, why their relationship was the way it was, at least our understanding of it, why uh-huh. it was. 
and why that codependency might have started in the way that it did because all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, I'm at this new school and you're my only friend. So you are the connection to me being happy in this place. Mm-hmm. And then for Chip, it's feeling sad and alone and unimportant. And then suddenly he gets this role where he gets to be the knowledgeable one and the one who's inclusive and the one who is looked up to. And he benefits from that. Yeah, first banana. (laughs) (laughs) I'm one banana. You're another banana. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and you know, and it doesn't take much, unfortunately, when dynamics are so kind of firmly set like that. It doesn't take much, I think, upset from that dynamic to be like really thrown off. And that's what we see from Chip when he finds out that Dale is taking this other show Mm -hmm. that. For him, that meant that Dale didn't care about him and the Rescue Rangers, didn't care about their friendship, mm-hmm. which is going to go out on his own, kind of like, you know, damn the the results. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely became clear. And I think this happens a lot in relationships, whether it's a parent and child relationship mm-hmm. or a really close romantic relationship or friendship when one person kind of wants to change the dynamic a little bit. The person who's comfortable with the current dynamic sees it as a a lack of caring or a betrayal of the friendship or a a negative thing about them rather than maybe like it is for Dale in this case, just kind of wanting additional, right? Like wanting the relationship Growth. and yeah, and, wanting yeah. opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And wanting both, right? Like I he kind of says he's like, we'll always be Chippendale. Like it'll always be the two of us. I just want to do this for a bit. And kind of wanting independence within the relationship. And Chip kind of sees it as a betrayal. You know, like what do you what are you done with us? Are you sick of us? Do you not like us anymore? And then he reacts by wanting nothing to do with Dale in return. Yeah, because he experiences it as a rejection, he rejects in return, right? It's like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, then we're done, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's clear in in watching Dale's experience of that, that that's not what Dale wanted. He didn't want the friendship to be over. He just wanted to be able to, in this case, like do his own thing. Yeah. And, you know, and in a lot of cases, and they, they got so close to having a real conversation and then Dale's agent called on the comically large phone. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's always funny to me and 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 this is true, I think, in like kid shows and us a lot of stuff like this where a simple conversation or a little bit more of an in depth conversation could have them could have gotten them to the exact point that they got to at the end of the movie. But, mm-hmm. you know, ninety minutes sooner. <laughs> well, to be fair, I think that speaks to our world. <laughs> the number of times okay, that's patients fair. will say to me, like, if we could just sit down and talk about this, it would have solved weeks of effort or like weeks of yep. issues. And I'm frequently just like, if you and your partner or friend or sibling or child would just sit down and talk about this, you could come to a solution. So I think that representation in that argument I think that's a like a was a very good representation of how it happens because it got to the point where they they were both kind of getting uncomfortable and I think 
Dale had gotten out and he was like, I'm going to take this out of this conversation because I feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go their separate ways and Dale goes off and gets CGI 3D surgery, <laughs> which I thought was like an, a hilarious reference to, you know, basically, you know, we're getting live Plastic action surgery. Pinocchio <laughs> next. I don't know if you saw oh, that trailer. Oh, but <laughs> I did not see that. That's so funny. Yeah. Everything yeah. is getting CGI'd. So, Everything's getting CGI 3D treatment, so so Dale gets that, and Chip just becomes a you know an average run of the mill insurance salesman with his little button up shirt, but still no pants. Um, not average. He is employee of the month every month. Okay, totally fair. So average How in the sense of you? like just a normal job. <laughs> he does very yes. well at his job, yeah. but it's just a normal like non Hollywood job yeah. that he's doing, and he's doing very well at. Good job, Chip. Good job, Chip. And we see the effect that the breakdown of this relationship has had on him long term because his coworkers try to connect with him and they're like, good job, like, come out, get drinks with us, hang out, come see my new pad. Yeah. And Chip is like, no, sorry, can't, gotta go home. And he has a fear of like forming new relationships and instead trades it for hanging out with his dog. And I think that that's it's a very really, cute dog. That's a very cute dog. And I think it's a very a very good representation of like how sometimes fear can make us, you know, he's he's afraid of getting hurt again because he had this close, vulnerable, intimate relationship with somebody and they left him. And so he kind of does this thing where like, I'm better off alone. Um, and I think at some point he even says like, that's why it's better to not even have friends. Which is sad because clearly he's very lonely. Well, and, and not only that, and he, he kind of plays this up throughout the movie, Chip does, as like, you know, he's just moved on. But he's secretly holding on to this like golden pog, another great reference uh-huh. of the Rescue Rangers uh, as a team that he hasn't forgotten it. No. I mean, he clearly misses it, but he's making no effort or making it not, he's not making it known to anyone that he would love probably an opportunity to connect uh, with Gadget or connect with Monterey Jack, but yeah. but doesn't do it himself. Well, of course, right? Because he's like, oh, yeah, no, I don't care that it ended. Yeah, like, left that behind me. That's childish. Move on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you you mentioned before how, how this feels very real, and I, I have to say it connected to a lot of the work that I feel like I've done. You mentioned parents, mm-hmm. and on this end of the spectrum, like, I work with a lot of new parents, and that sort of, like oh, I have to make new friends or I'm in a new place and now I, I maybe I've grown distant from my college friends so now i got to make friends with my kids' friends' parents. Mm-hmm. But that whole like, you know, oh, am I, do I make friends at work? Do I, you know, do I ever make friends? Do I just kind of sometimes Facebook message people from college or high school is a real hard dynamic to navigate, yeah. especially if you've had friendships like Chip and Dale that have ended poorly in the past. Yeah. If you're working with someone, let's say like Chip in particular, who maybe is feeling a little bit unsatisfied, a little bit distant or disconnected in his relationships in his life, you know, assuming he, let's say, had some of the goals that we're talking about of wanting to connect Mm -hmm. with people, like what would that work look like? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Sorry, that was a big question I just dropped on you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think at, well, and also the reason I have that response is, this is a very real question that yeah, I think so. Yeah. I get weekly yep. from different people, which is 
how do you make friends as an adult? And it's such like a, yep. a tough thing because a lot of people make friends with people at work, but a lot of people also don't want to make friends with people at work because of the like workplace drama kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And then also now with so many people working remotely, those relationships aren't as connected and aren't leading to friendship. Right. There's no water cooler talk over yeah. Zoom. Yeah. There's no yeah. just like walking past somebody's desk and being like, hey, how was your weekend? Yep. And so this conversation comes up a lot. And I think at its very base level, I start with acknowledging how hard it is. I like truly it's like, yep. e- yes, it it's incredibly hard. You are not alone in that. And then obviously with me, I start talking about values and like what matters to you and how can you take steps in that direction and what are you looking for in friendships and how do you, Mm -hmm. how will you find those? And, you know, it's, there's no one answer because everybody is so different. Of course, of course. Yeah. But we also often will look into like, well, where do you think is a place that you could meet people that you would connect with? So some people it's Mm -hmm. a podcasts discord for other people. It's a, sports team for other people it's taking a an improv class and i think it comes down to <laughs> listen to me like being like well it's <laughs> and it's because it's hard it's really hard and it i think hard. what it comes down to is being willing to be vulnerable and brave at the right time and so yep. if you see a small connection with somebody jump on it ask them yep. if they want to hang out risk being like, hey, if you want to hang out, here's my email address, and then never hearing from them again. Risk, you know, take mm-hmm. those kind of risks. And then the work that we would do is, is that risk in the direction of a value worth the fear of hurt or the fear of rejection or the fear of whatever? Crossing your fingers and hoping, I think, is the next step. Well, I don't know if you did this intentionally or not, Haley, but the quote that was referenced a couple times is the biggest risk is not taking any risk at all. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't do that on purpose, but it's right. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Look at me. Look at Chip's mom. That's right. Look at Chip's mom. And I think you, you nailed it, right? And and that part of these uh, sort of options that are that do exist for everyone is not necessarily going out looking to make a friend, but mm-hmm. going out looking to do something that you like or be a part of something that you're interested in mm-hmm. and then being around people who share those interests. And I do yes. think in, a, in, a, in an interesting way that happens for both Chip and Dale separately, but then together as well. Mm-hmm. Dale's out on the the weird like cartoon celebrity circuit. Comic-Con, Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And he kind of does have friends who are in similar situations to him. Yeah. I don't know if they would call themselves his friends, but obviously they know each other and it's and it's similar experiences. I think they would. Yeah, I think so too. Well, they really ultimately they end up, up helping him. him when yeah. they're Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't just do that for anybody. No, you would be like, "Oh gosh, what kind of troubles he gotten himself into?" Well, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, good luck to those right? guys. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, and then Chip, you know, maybe a little bit more reluctantly, but once Monterey Jack is obviously in danger, you know, I think his, let's say his detective skills or his his uh, camaraderie in mm-hmm. solving problems, like some of those old things kind of come right back to him. And even if he's sort of holding resentments against Dale, you can see the life kind of comes out of him over over the course of the mystery being solved, that he kind of finds this fun, excited part of himself again. Yeah. And I think what it comes down to is connection, right? Because there's all these moments, like there's the moment at the bathhouse where they're saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Same thing at the same time. And and they both are like enjoying it. Like, oh my gosh, how are we doing this? This is, you know, connection and chemistry and blah, blah, blah. And you can see that they're both feeling really energized by it. And I think that's what friendship and, and relationship comes down to is, you know, connection in a way that makes you feel energized and it doesn't have to be like an excited energy but i think it's this like yeah like we we did a thing and we did it together and that was nice um and ultimately they get to that point even when they're like bickering and and those kind of things they're doing it in a way where they both still really feel invigorated by their engagement with each other yeah and it's it's really cool to see because you know you think about the way that kids make friends and even watching the way that chip and dale initially become friends it's like chip sees dale basically make a fool of himself in front of the whole class and it's like oh like something i can relate to or something i can uh someone Mm -hmm. i can support or someone i can be the you know the sort of uh, first banana to (laughs) and you know and sometimes i think when relationships start that way you know much I I think about the way my daughter has made friends like obviously it's been in school Mm -hmm. but it's also been in things like we've let her try soccer and dance Mm -hmm. and tennis and all these different things and she hasn't necessarily stuck with all of the activities that we've tried but she has stuck with uh, some of the kids from those things and -hmm. it's just you know those similar interests I think can then become broader interests right and you can have things that you didn't necessarily have in common with each other, but can be excited for each other or interested in those things for each other. And I think that's what adult friendships eventually start to look like, which is the transition that Chip and Dale didn't necessarily navigate successfully. Yeah. And I think a thing that children have to their benefits that adults don't have is lives that are constantly crossing. So if Mm -hmm. you go to school together, you sit next to each other every day in Spanish class, or you have the locker next to each other, or you are on the soccer team together, right? And adults, unless it's people you work with, and I think this is why people end up making friends with coworkers a lot, unless Mm -hmm. it's people you work with, the only way you're going to cross paths regularly is if you do something regularly. And I think this is one of yep. the the biggest struggles is people will like meet somebody and they'll be like, oh, that's somebody I'd like to be friends with. And then neither of them put effort into spending time together because <laughs> nobody wants to be the yeah. one that's like, hey, do you want to hang out sometime? Yep. Well, because that's part of the risk thing that we're talking about, yes. right? Hundred percent, and so I think this idea of joining a, a group or a sport or a shared interest and interacting regularly, I think, is the key, right? Because if you're in somebody's realm constantly, you will pick up the ones that you like, and you will 
get to know people on a deeper level than just like, oh, hi. And it can happen anywhere. Like I, I mention sports a lot because that's how I do it a lot. But over COVID, I was a part of a discord group and the people in the group like became really close. And I would consider myself really friendly with these people. And we've never met in person, right? Like a lot of them, I don't even think know what I look like, but it doesn't matter because we like talked regularly over (laughs) the world being shut down. And I think that's, that's how you make friends. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's so funny. It, it makes me think this is a bit of a tangent, but it makes me think like the way that our like schooling is structured, especially for people who, you know, live on campus at a four year college, uh-huh. right? Because you're going from, let's say, grammar or grade school to high school, where to your point, mm-hmm. especially if you're part of sports or clubs, like you're just mm-hmm. increasingly seeing these people more and more regularly. And then if mm-hmm. you go live on campus at a four year university, anniversary uh anniversary (laughs) university (laughs) i'm gonna say that again and then if you go uh live on a campus at a four-year university where you're not only attending classes but also socializing and maybe working with the same group of people for four years straight Mm -hmm. like those are some incredibly but also naturally formed bonds yeah and after college that just doesn't exist anywhere outside of maybe work if you're lucky to have an environment like that that would support that kind of you know friendship yeah yeah right right or roommates for sure yeah but it just makes me think that we we almost set young adults up to really struggle with this kind of dynamic in an automatic way that maybe they don't really get served by. Maybe we need to add this to the college curriculums is what I'm saying. Yeah. I often will say to my patients, like, we're not taught how to make friends. We're just shoved together with people who we end up being friends with. I say that frequently to people. And even if we think about it, it's actually not even necessarily that easy in high school or, or college either, if you aren't taking those risks, right? So I've had conversations with patients that are like, okay, you talk to this same person in Spanish class every single day and you feel like you get along with them. When you see them in the hall, do you say hi? Do you acknowledge their existence? They're like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, you're never going to be friends outside of school if you don't acknowledge them outside of class. And, you know, that's, talking about the same kind of stuff that I'm talking about here, which is friendship takes risk and it takes investment. And and to bring it back to the topic, like Chip and Dale stop investing in each other. Like they stop spending time together. They, they start focusing on, right. Chip starts focusing on like, here's how I save Dale and look at me. I'm going to give this long toast. And Dale starts focusing on like, I want more limelight and I'm tired of being the stupid one, which also is totally fair. Yep. And so they start becoming, and I think this happens a lot in couples therapy. You find that each person becomes so focused on themselves and like what they need in their roles that they defend those before they listen to what the other person needs and they stop mm. investing in each other. Yeah. And I think and this kind of comes into you know something you and I said we would might talk about, which is the sort of the differences and distinctions between like codependency or interdependency and, and, you know, what that means and what that looks like. Cause I think maybe from Dale's perspective, you know, he might've experienced this relationship at the stage in which he was thinking about going and doing double O Dale as like, maybe he was 
dependent or even codependent on Chip or on the show because if Chip's the the smart guy and the show needs Chip to be the smart guy for the mm-hmm. show to succeed, then I have to rely on that person's success or that person's intelligence for me to succeed. And that kind of creates this, this power unequal partnership, right? Yeah. So codependency ends up being that each person takes a role that benefits the other person in some way. And it's usually a caregiver and a and a taker. And so generally yep. the taker would in this case kind of be Dale, which is he's was lonely at school and he's the quote unquote dumb one. And like he wouldn't be anywhere if it weren't for Chip. And Chip takes the role of he's so lucky he has me and we're in this together, but like, you're so lucky that I'm here for you. And both person ends up like really clinging to that role as long as they want that Mm -hmm. relationship to continue to work. And oftentimes because the people care about each other and like each other and this relationship is comfortable, I won't say comfortable, but it's safe. People like Dale will get nervous to suddenly say like, actually, I don't need you to take care of me. Like I can do this on my own. And then that's why people like Chip see that as like a betrayal. Like, excuse me, we've been in this together in this way for so long. Like why, why are you throwing it away? Yeah. And I think, and that's what we eventually see the conclusion that they come to is that they did both depend on each other, but neither one of them were totally honest about what that, meant to them or what that felt like while they were experiencing that relationship. Mm-hmm. So for them to be able to kind of develop the relationship into a more uh, interdependent one where it's okay for them to both have autonomy and things going on for themselves independently from mm-hmm. the friendship, we kind of see them walking off into the sunset debating about whether or not they'll do a reboot. But it's like, if they do, you kind of get the sense that that wouldn't be the only thing that they would rely on to base the friendship on anymore. Yeah. Well, because they've both gotten good now at realizing that they each play their own independent role together. You know, so like Chip still does the like, what, you think Dale's going to figure out a clue? (laughs) And then we see that Dale does. But Dale (laughs) owns the fact that, right, 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 right. And Dale owns the fact that even though he did it his own way, like it, you could still find success that way. That doesn't automatically mean that the relationship or the problem solving is not going to work. Yep. And I think that's one thing that often happens as a problem in close relationships is the more dominant personality will often think that there's one way to do it. And the, the less dominant personality may not do it that way. And then that can cause rifts. Like, why aren't you doing it this way? my way is the right way rather than allowing that independence, you know, like, okay, you figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, you know, obviously healthy relationships are going to have healthy boundaries and we get a sense of what the uh, healthy boundaries looked like between Chip and Dale as they sort of solve this mystery where Chip is willing to take the knock on the head <laughs> to call the birds yeah. over to defeat the villain. And there's a recognition that it doesn't just have to be, Dale's role, that that role can be one that's actually shared between the two of them to Mm -hmm. great benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was great. 
this kind of brings us to this sort of natural transition point where it's like the plot was just like a really sweet i mean this this plot could have been condensed down into almost like a, a chippendale rescue rangers episode where oh, it's just yeah. like yeah uh, a friend was was kidnapped and we got to solve the mystery and rescue him like mm-hmm. no problem are they always rescuing someone uh no not necessarily no. they're in all sorts of hijinks I was gonna um, say, that makes sense with like, rescue rangers yes i mean i mean there there are other other problems about like the first episode of, of Rescue Rangers, like the original TV show, I watched as uh, just like a follow-up to like, oh, what was this show like mm-hmm. <laughs> 30 years ago? And the first episode was uh, Dale just being a slob and um, they're having so much garbage in their hideout that they like fell into a garbage, like not truck mm-hmm. and then onto oh. a garbage barge. And then they, uh, while they're on the barge, like some other animal pirates, like capture Chip and Dale. Oh, funny! And then you know, and then they gotta save themselves and Gadget and Monterey Jack and hijinks this ensue. This was one of my favorite shows growing up. And then the voice of the of Fat Cat is the voice of Darkwing Duck, which was one of my other favorite shows. Nice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So so, but right. So that is. Why, maybe especially for you, I I, can't, I was trying to remember like the degree to which I watched this show and I couldn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have maybe as strong as memory as, as it sounds like you did. Mm-hmm. But the nostalgia for like the era of cartoons was absolutely mm-hmm. there for yeah. me. All the different references to all these different shows that we got in this movie were just so enjoyable. It was like, uh-huh. you know, it was like a Sunday with a lot of cherries on top. Uh-huh, absolutely. Um, where it's just like, oh, oh, look, there's a... There's Scrooge diving in his pot of gold in the Russian so uh, the funny. Russian bathhouse. Uh-huh. It was yeah. he was like jacuzziing in his in his money. That was so funny. Um I also love a grown-up Peter Pan. Like I love that so much. Oh man. <laughs> Poor Peter. Poor Stinky Pete as he's known now apparently. So funny. Well, I, what I think what I really liked was the way that they made these cartoon characters actors. So, um, so the reason Peter Pan grew up was because he was an actor who played a boy who could not grow up, (laughs) which I was like, oh, he was always a a person that could age. Right. Uh (laughs) Hands down. I think my favorite part of the movie was the Seth Rogen scene where all of his characters talked to each other for like five seconds and i was like this man really has voiced a lot of cartoon characters um and he's just got but like, not such only a that laugh. but he's always just himself <laughs> oh yes always and the laugh is just like the <laughs> yes <laughs> like the yes so funny yeah no it was super filled with nostalgia and that's a topic that has been coming up so much in the episodes we've been doing lately like turning red there was a lot of nostalgia and yeah. uh, senior year, there was a lot of nostalgia. And so I was like sitting there being like, are we as a generation of, you know, 30, 40 year olds starting to feel real nostalgic about our childhoods? And I think we are. I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah. You know, not necessarily specifically because of the pandemic, where it's like we're just longing for safer, easier, funner mm-hmm. times. But certainly in, in regards to whether we think of it as like a transition to, re- to adulthood, if, um, you know, or just 
this idea because like for me it's like why does this show appeal to us as well as potentially to kids now mm-hmm. and it's because it has all these references and things it's like well my daughter doesn't know that that's scrooge mcduck swimming in his pile of coins uh-huh. you know she although well, she was excited for the brief appearance of the uh the my little ponies swimming through or uh, flying through well, the, they've made a comeback <laughs> uh, that's exactly right and that's another example of this where it's like certain types of things are always going to be appealing to kids. Mm -hmm. And I think when you can find a ways, and it kind of reminded me of Shrek in this way, where they're applying Uh adult themes Uh to a medium that is used to appeal to kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That there's something very powerful about that. Yeah. Well, and I think if you make something silly and cute within an animated context, a kid is going to like it. And then if you throw in clever references or clever turns of phrase, it's going to make it enjoyable for adults. So for example, the Scrooge in the jacuzzi moment, the first time I watched, because I had to watch it twice, because the first time I was like, there's nothing in here to talk about. And then the second time I was like, like, what are we even doing? (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. But that Scrooge moment, I missed it the first time. And then the second time I was like, Mm. oh, that's funny. Like it was such a quick, small, like very salient uh, reference that a kid is going to be like, okay, cool. Like they're not even going to notice that it happens. But for those of us where that was a huge part of our childhood, we're like, oh my God, this is great. And it was what, two seconds? (laughs) Yeah. And so I think, yeah, I think that's great. And And I think the thing about nostalgia is, like you said, times when it pops up are life changes and, you know, really after the pandemic and things like that, like, like hoping for better times. And and that's truly when nostalgia shows up. So what nostalgia allows us to do is it allows us to protect against fear and protect against the unknown with reference to what we do know, right? Like we, we know these Mm. characters and we feel emotionally connected to them in some way. And even the um, ugly Sonic, which I think is just the funniest bit, but even ugly Sonic, we were all really connected to that moment when they came out with that preview and we were like, what's happening? And then they're like, "Never mind, we'll redo it. Um, we were yeah. like, even thinking back to that moment is funny and, and brings these like warm, fuzzy feelings. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence that lately, like back to back to back, all these things are coming out with these really nostalgic references. And I think the world has been really hard lately and the world has been very scary lately. And the world has been very, tumultuous and i think this like this intense nostalgia in media is related to how the creators of the movies are feeling and how we're feeling of like i just want to look back on what i know and what made me feel good and times that felt safe and playful and fun and that's like really the power of nostalgia is it allows us to kind of hang on to feel goods when they when we're maybe not feeling good otherwise. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Sort of almost like literally time travel back to when that time. Like, oh man, when I watched Chippendale Rescue Rangers as a whatever year old, like mm-hmm. I didn't have a care in the world. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you and I have talked about some of our the the TV shows we've covered recently. And it's funny because I don't think of watching like The Office as nostalgia, mm-hmm. but it is. It's like nostalgia for. 10 years ago as opposed Mm -hmm. to you know rescue rangers which would be nostalgia for 30 years ago yeah and it's and it's even things that were five to ten years ago still activates the same idea of well five to ten years ago i didn't have a child yet or Uh i wasn't worried about uh you know crazy uh climate change things as much or you know Mm -hmm. all these sorts of things and it should just get to shrink your your fears and of the unknown down to like Oh man, do you, how do you think they're going to rescue Monterey Jack this time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just get to check out for that, you know, thirty to ninety minutes. When I think also you get to check out in a connected way, which is what's different, right? Because you and I will turn the TV on and check mm-hmm. out of new things that we've watched. I mean, you fall asleep during stuff all the time. So I feel like like checking out during a show is one thing, but checking out during a show that you already feel connected to, when it's over, you kind of feel something, right? Like the the new stuff you may, you'd be like, oh, I just checked out for an hour and I have no idea what happened during that NCIS episode, but like whatever, I don't care. But like I thought when you brought up The Office, I thought yesterday I had the thought like, like, oh, I've had a couple really unlucky bad days in a row. Like I think it's that time of year where I watch Psych all over again from the beginning. I literally (laughs) had that thought yesterday. And as you were bringing up The Office, I was like, oh, that's so funny. That's exactly what I did yesterday was being like, I'm feeling a little out of it. I'm feeling a little icky. The way that I'll fix this is nostalgia. I'll fix it by escaping into something that is comfortable and lighthearted and feel good that I know. And that's that's what nostalgia is. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's not like an obvious bad thing, you know, because when, when I see nostalgia get discussed in relation to you know, the types of movies and shows that are coming out now, it's like, oh, there's nothing original. There's nothing uh, new. Everything has to be a reference to something else. And, you know, I can see the people's concerns about that from like an originality standpoint in pop culture, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to just be a reflection of non-original content. I think it's also a reflection of what people want because mm-hmm. if these things were not successful uh they wouldn't get, keep getting made <laughs> mm-hmm. so there's yeah. a reason nostalgia is becoming increasingly more popular and you have to be so careful right so when of the course. the lion king remake came out people mm. were disappointed and like the cast was incredible so it had everything that it needed to be fantastic But I think the problem was it was similar enough that we were clearly watching the same movie, but it was different enough that it took out some of the pieces that made it nostalgic, right? Like that made it the thing that people know. And well, that made it fun. I mean, we don't we don't have to get into overanalyzing Lion King, but like Mm -hmm. my daughter and my little niece were hanging out last Memorial Day weekend and she wanted to watch Lion King, so I'm going to flip through, and and it's like, no, 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 not that one, meaning the recent one. We want to watch the cartoon one. 
And it's like, well, yeah, of course you do. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so then it's like, who is the real life sort of scary version for? And it makes me wonder, like, was that also for us? Yeah, no, it, I def- it was definitely for us. But I remember, so yeah. I saw it with teenagers. And when we walked out okay. of there, multiple of them were like, they cut out, and I don't remember what the part was, but they cut out this part, was, which is always my favorite part. Oh, uh, right? yeah. So they kept it yep. similar enough that we were like, ooh, ooh, this is the thing. But then some of the things that made it the thing, they removed. Right. And so I think that because I know so my favorite movie is Footloose and when they remade it they did the exact same thing was it was like some scenes were like step by step exactly the same carbon copies yeah and then they just like added random scenes and like removed random scenes and I was like no <laughs> like either make it exactly the same <laughs> or make it a completely different thing don't have to both because then it's not the thing I'm nostalgic for but it's also not new and so what is it And I think that really fits into this idea of nostalgia that we're talking about, which is if we're going to be nostalgic about something, it's because because it's comfortable, right? And I think what what this movie did really well was it clung to the nostalgia by having the characters, but none of them followed a storyline that we knew. All of them were different, and they were really creative with how they use the nostalgia, and so that instead of it being the like, well, it's not the same thing, but it's not the something new. This, it was, it is the same thing and it's something new. And so it gave us both. And I think that's why it did it so successfully. Yeah, I think so too. Because even the inclusion of um, John Mulaney and Andy Samberg as the voices was a great choice because those are familiar voices to us. Uh And also you didn't have to listen to two chipmunk voices for uh-huh. 90 minutes because when I watched the cartoon it was like oh my god they really are like they might as well be Al- Alvin and the chipmunks they're like that crazy high pitched uh-huh. like almost whistly uh-huh. voice and it, it, it would have been a different movie if it wasn't two expert comedians reading these uh-huh. lines when that was also just like so perfectly cast I think yeah, both I think so Andy Samberg and John Mulaney's voices were perfect for the characters that they played. And like, I'll follow Andy Samberg into any film, truly. Like, I think I said that during Palm Springs, but he's like, I think it was so well cast, uh, which was great. Yeah. So for me, I also kind of fell into my typical like overanalyzing trap where it's like, okay, if I really went deep on this, and it was, you know, it, and it was Chippendale Rescue Rangers is like saying something about the therapeutic process. <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, that happens to me sometimes. And and it right. felt like it, it was actually saying something this time. Like sometimes it feels like I'm pulling at strings, but this this felt real. And feel free to pick this apart. But where my brain was going is like, okay, so Chippendale, you know, have this. I don't know if we would call it childhood trauma, but childhood experiences that obviously informed their adult personalities. Fair to say so far? Mm -hmm. At school. Right? Totally. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. At school and and subsequently they're, they're, you know, the end of their friendship, right? Which we assume is still sort of youngish adults. Young adults. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And... You know that conflict carried on throughout their their adult interactions until mm-hmm. the 
you know, let's say the conversation that they had after rescuing or, you know, almost completing the rescue of Monterey Jack, Mm -hmm. um, when Dale almost sacrifices himself to save Chip and the, the golden pog, you know, is the thing Mm -hmm. that saved his life. Mm -hmm. And what this sort of said to me was, well, you know, a lot of times when we're doing therapy, you know, especially when we're working on things like childhood trauma, you know, we end up in places where we're talking about what you needed as a kid at that time during that traumatic event that you did not get, right? Mm -hmm. That didn't happen. And what it would look like if it happened for you now, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's, you know, the person that was your second banana sacrificing themselves for you, like, oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, now that's a role reversal, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, uh, fighting off a, a villain and saving a friend together as a team, as a, as a mutually benefited team, as opposed to a, like a hierarchy of who's the smart one and who's not, all these sorts mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. So the solutions that they both needed as uh, little, little kid chipmunks being the solutions that still were necessary for them as adults and mm-hmm. the things that helped them, you know, resolve a lot of that stuff and ultimately save the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the villains that that we encounter are, you know, not necessarily like strict villains, but like psychosocial villains that we experience as kids can come back. And sometimes when they do, we need those same solutions that we needed as kids or as little little chipmunks to kind of help navigate those challenges as adults. Oh my gosh, I just had a mind blowing moment. The villain in this movie is growing up. So. Peter Pan. Yes. That's where I was going next. Yes. Oh, was it really? (laughs) Well, because not only that, not only is he growing up. Yeah. Not only that, but then, like, when he becomes like his uber villain, he's becoming a combination of all of these other villains that they're already familiar with. Uh So it's like when your trauma evolves and gets looped into other, you know, negative experiences that you have uh, later on in life, like mm-hmm. that's sort of what it looks like is like the worst possible combination of all the things you've been dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I think you did a great job with that analy- an- analyzing <laughs> that analysis. <laughs> analysis is the word. Yeah, that's I was okay. like, what's the yeah, word? Yeah, yeah. I think you did a great, a great job with that because when I had this moment of like, oh my gosh, literally the villain in this movie is the one that was never meant to grow up. And the whole thing is about people growing up and growing apart. And then it's all about nostalgia, right? It's all about our childhoods and and how they changed and and how they turned out differently and um, and how uh, Dale can't let go of, of those times and how Chip completely let go of those times. And then ultimately it comes down to like, well, actually you need to be a little bit of all of it. Like don't let it go because it made you who you are, but don't let it hold you back either and, and move forward in a meaningful way. And I think the lines between the two of them, one was Chip saying, I was nothing without you. And then Dale said, I think I just wanted you to tell me you needed me. And yeah. And what I think, like, it's lovely in this movie that they got to resolve it with the person they needed to resolve it with. Um, That's not always possible. And like you said, that's kind of where therapy comes in, right? Like sometimes the therapist plays a role that is like someone who is 
willing to listen and someone who's willing to care and someone who's willing to engage in a supportive way. And maybe that's the resolution. Sometimes it's you had a horrible partner and now you're afraid to get a new partner, but then maybe you choose a more valued partner. And then through doing that, you get resolution by learning not everybody's like that other person or something like that. And and I think you're right. Like I think Peter Pan turning into this like amalgamation of all these horrible things, they were able to face it and they were able to be like growing up. I thought it was growing up and moving on that sucked, but actually it's this, this collection of, of villains that I've carried with me that is actually the problem. And let's, you know, deal with them one at a time. Well done, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, they even try to kind of give the same message to Peter because they kind of recognize that he's going through some of the same stuff they went through, which yeah. is this feeling of sort of being alone and making this transition from I had success or I had something comfortable and familiar, something that was working, and now I don't. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to turn to evil doing right Mm -hmm. to just because you're sort of isolated in that experience Mm -hmm. that you're actually going through that experience with people whether you know it or not and you Mm -hmm. just have to be open to finding them i mean in the uh the one scene in the comic con like one of the little lost boys like they almost kind of trip over him Mm -hmm. and he's like peter and you just in that moment just like oh that's all peter needs is just Uh a a, just a buddy from his back in his old days Uh uh-huh Fortunately, he just kind of gets pushed aside. But yeah. I was like, that's that's yeah. the movie hook. <laughs> well, actually, yep, the, that's right. <laughs> the, um, the line that they say to Peter is, you know, when the world breaks your heart, you respond with anger and loneliness and or like you end up with a lot of anger and loneliness. And I think like when they said that line, I was just like, you know, like this is su- that is such a yep. human experience. And as we yes. kind of talked about, like, the world lately is breaking people's hearts left and right. And there's so much anger and there's so much isolation and so much loneliness. And that's why all these nostalgic things are coming out. And, yeah, it's it's all about connection. <laughs> yeah. And, and what, a, what an adult theme to end it on mm-hmm. um, when we're really just dealing with chipmunks rescuing <laughs> their mouse friend <laughs> from being rebooted um as as a uh, knockoff version of dumbo <laughs> so yeah so you know i think pretty consistently recently we've been giving a lot of kudos to to disney and overall yeah. because of this the sort of type of ways in which they've been dealing with this pseudo adult content and i think this is another example of that haley so, so why don't too. we jump into reviews yeah i think that's great ratings right so Haley, in terms of ratings this week, on a scale of <laughs> one to five bootleg Bart's saying, uh, he didn't say I caramba. Oh man, I just totally blanked on what he said. Instead, he said like I Kayaga, I Kayuga. Oh, funny. I don't know why I laughed out loud when he said that, but <laughs> the knockoff version of The Simpsons was really funny, um, among all the other references. So um, how accurate did you find Chip and Dale's handling of these very adult themes that we acknowledged? 
again, you just kind of mentioned like lately we've been giving Disney a lot of kudos and that's not going to change for me. I'm going to give it a 4.8 Bart Simpson, Bart Schmimshins. I don't know what his name is in the show. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And I'm not going to give it a five because I can't think of like, I'm, I know it didn't do it perfectly, but I, it, I think it of got totally pretty fair. close to the topics that we talked about. Like the relationship between Chip and Dale, I think that is truly how people fall apart, grow apart, stay apart. And then if they get the opportunity to come back together, I, I think that's how it looks. And it's, it's arguing and it's fighting and it's disagreeing and it's being afraid that you're going to lose the person. And then it's like learning to interact in a new way. They really represented each of those stages really well. I think they represented uh, the mental health and we didn't like get to this specifically, but of being famous and then losing that fame and trying oh, really sure, hard to sure, hang sure. on to it. I think they, did that really well. Even Ugly Sonic, the way that they really represented like, yeah, no, 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 I'm totally in on the joke too. Like, I also think that it's super funny that my teeth look like this. And then Tigra is like, do you though? Like, I think that was all really well represented. And then the way that you kind of spoke about, you know, the, the whole theme at the end of like getting resolution for oneself and for relationships, that was done really well. And then again, that that idea of like when the world breaks your heart and you you turn to anger and loneliness, that ultimately is the theme for all of these people. And I think that's particularly the last few years, a very realistic experience. So yeah, four, 4.8. Well said. Thank you. Okay. So how about for you on a scale from one to five, chipmunk-sized beer bottles in a human hand. (laughs) (laughs) How entertaining did you find Chippendale Rescue Rangers not a reboot, but a comeback? That's right. Well, it's so funny because before you actually suggested that we cover this, my brother messaged the family group chat because we always talk about what what we're watching. Uh And I think his exact quote was like, by the way, uh, new Chip and Dale's movie, shockingly great. <laughs> and I think that I think that's what most people's reaction to this has been was kind of uh-huh. like confused or didn't know it was coming out or what it wait, it's like Roger Rabbit style. Like, what is this? Uh-huh. Oh, so like they're doing it this way. So that sort of initial not knowing quite this is what this is or what this was going to be. And then as soon as it started going, just being like, like a warm blanket, like totally into it. And it's nice and it's short and it's a a tight little story and adventure. I don't know what else you could want from a movie that is a a relaunch of a cartoon from 30 years ago. So is it a five out of five? I would say no, like it's not necessarily like the thing I would say is the most entertaining thing I've ever watched in my entire uh-huh. life, but it is definitely up there. And I, I share your sentiment for like a 4.8, um, 4.75 at the minimum. It is very entertaining. And especially yeah. for, uh, as we said, our generation who was uh-huh. going to catch all of these crazy references. It's just a really enjoyable movie watching experience. So yeah. thank you, Disney, for, yeah. for continuing to, 
to do stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I texted (laughs) my brother right after watching it. And all I said was Chip and Dale is fun. (laughs) <laughs> which like, I yeah, think yeah. that's what it gets down to is like, it's fun. What else could you ask for? Yeah. yeah. There's been other movies and, and shows where I've jumped in here being like, oh, I loved this. And I didn't feel that aw- about this at all, but I listened to like Doug loves movies and people for a long time were jumping in being like, I'm, I'm recommending Chip and Dale. Like it's a good time. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And it is, it's a good yep. time. Yeah. Yeah. So for you're looking for a chip down a, a chip oh, look <laughs> a, what I did. Chip a chip down, down memory lane memory dale you know and and you've just listened to us talk about this movie without watching it yourself please by all means go we didn't spoil that much of the plot so uh, you know if you've watched it and enjoyed it thanks for listening to this episode if you haven't go and watch it and thank you as always to our wonderful audience for continually suggesting things um, we have a lot of good yeah. episodes recorded that we are excited for you to hear So thank you, and please continue to reach out to us on all the different social medias at PopPsych101, and uh, we'll see you again next time. Bye. Bye.